Welcome to the intersection of faith and the culture. It's Wall Builders. We thank you for joining us today. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach, along with David Barton and Tim Barton. David's America's premier historian and our founder here at Wall Builders, Tim Barton, national speaker and pastor and president of Wall Builders. And the three of us are looking forward to a conversation today uh, with you. You know, we're going to have a guest. We're going to talk to each other. But really, we're hoping that as you listen, you're learning and you're then taking what you listen to and going out in your community and taking action on it. You may end up, you know, going and testifying at a school board meeting or you may go testify at the legislature or maybe you want to attend one of our programs. You know, we're doing this Coach Congress this year for the first time, your chance to actually be at the state house in Texas and uh, and be on the real floor debating the issues of the day, learning speaking skills, hearing from David and Tim and me and other speakers that are going to come in and train. Check that out today. You might you might really enjoy coming down and uh, being a part of that. All you got to do is sign up as a coach. That's free. And then uh, and then you sign up for the conference, the Coach Congress. And it'll happen at the same time the Student Congress happens. You've heard me talk many times about the Leadership Congress and the young people, 16 to 25. But we also do a Military Veterans Congress. That's going to be happening at the same time. So you get to see all of that, but also then participate yourself in the mock legislative simulation. So check that out today at patriotacademy.com. And uh, maybe that's an opportunity for you to participate or maybe think ahead to, to next year. But everybody can be a Constitution coach. Take the things you learn on wall builders and apply them in your community. All right, David and Tim, our friend Barry Loudermilk, congressman from Georgia now, used to be a state senator there and one of our pro-family legislators. Going to be with us a little later. He's in a very important position now reviewing all of what happened on January 6th uh, through this House subcommittee and uh, just some incredible discoveries. And the one we're going to talk about today, apparently um, some police officers from the Metropolitan Police, the D.C. police, that were in plain clothes and, I mean, literally participating and encouraging people to go into the Capitol. This is not stuff that people are revealing or talking about, but it should have been talked about two years ago. I, I've got to say, when all that started happening back on, on January 6th, I saw the prosecutions and everything that came afterwards in the next two years. Um, my gut reaction was, I think this is concocted, this is made up kind of stuff. But after Republicans took control of Congress in the last election, they appointed Barry over the subcommittee to look into this. And so I, Tim and I were up in D.C. and talking to Barry. And I will tell you, that's the first time that I actually heard that, no, 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 there was a literal plan to blow up things and to hurt people. And, and it was legitimate anarchy kind of a thing. And I had not heard that. Because I'd talked to people who had been arrested simply because they were there at the Capitol. They hadn't done anything. That's the ones I knew. So hearing right. from Barry that there actually were bad actors who really were doing bad things, that was the first I heard. But then how much of the prosecutions that we're seeing are part of the bad actors and how much are just political theater? And that's what Barry's trying to get to the bottom of uh, and, and really find out. And I was really surprised by how much he had found in a short period of time. And, Rick, as you mentioned, there, there is video evidence that it, it certainly seems like there are law enforcement, whether it be FBI or, or uh, local law enforcement, that are part of the group that's going in. And it looks like they're participating on some level. And uh, even when the FBI was asked about re- releasing some videos and data, they said, well, we can't do it because we don't want to expose our undercover individuals. And you're going, wait a second. It, if, if you're worried about exposing them as you're showing the bad things that were happening. Does that mean they were there? Were they part of it? And one of the things that we have so often talked about is where the reason the American people have a challenge, a hard time trusting anymore is because there's been such a lack of transparency. It was one of the problems with the election. Uh, the, the 2020 election is, look, it's 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 one thing if President Biden won the election, but it, because there's a lack of transparency, it just leaves lots of question marks. 
right? When this guy was supposed to have gotten more votes than any president in the history of the nation. And we're just, we're not seeing the signs and evidence for that. He couldn't get anybody to show up to his rally. And so maybe the fact that there's so many mail-in ballots and, and, and right, I mean, maybe, but there's so many question marks. And because there's a lack of transparency, it, it makes people uncertain and it makes them wary and it makes us more skeptical and critical. And now this is, again, the thing that we are seeing when you're looking at the January 6th issue and Tucker Carlson released some of the footage and we saw more to the story than what we had seen. And we, some of our suspicions were being confirmed that we weren't hearing the whole story, that there were some issues. It, it, it just leaves so many more question marks because there's been a lack of transparency about what happened, about what role the federal government took. And so finding guys like Barry, who is a part of investigating and actually trying to discover what the truth is, is reassuring in many levels. And I, I'm very excited to, to hear some details and, and hopefully he can share with us some of the insight that they're discovering along the way in the course of this investigation. Congressman Barry Laudermilk, our special guest. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back on Wobble. Have you noticed the vacuum of leadership in America? We're looking around for leaders of principle to step up and too often, no one is there. God is raising up a generation of young leaders with a passion for impacting the world around them. They're crying out for the mentorship and leadership training they need. Patriot Academy was created to meet that need. Patriot Academy graduates now serve in state capitals around America, in the halls of Congress, in business, in the film industry, in the pulpit, in every area of the culture. They're leading effectively and impacting the world around them. Patriot Academy is now expanding across the nation, and now's your chance to experience this life-changing week that trains champions to change the world. Visit PatriotAcademy.com for dates and locations. Our core program is still for young leaders 16 to 25 years old, but we also now have a citizen track for adults. So visit the website today to learn more. Help us fill the void of leadership in America. Join us in training champions to change the world at PatriotAcademy.com. This is Tim Barton from Wall Builders with another moment from American history. Alexis de Tocqueville, a political official from France, traveled to the United States in 1831 and penned his observations in the now famous book, Democracy in America. Being from France, what he found in America was completely unexpected to him. He reported, upon my arrival in the United States, the religious aspect of the country was the first thing that struck my attention. And the longer I stayed there, the more I perceived the great political consequences resulting from this. In France, I'd almost always seen the spirit of religion and the spirit of freedom marching in opposite directions. But in America, I found that they were intimately united and that they reigned in common over the same country. De Tocqueville recognized that it was biblical Christianity and the morals it produced that made America great. For more information about Alexis de Tocqueville and the positive influence of Christianity in early America, go to wallbuilders.com. Welcome back to Wall Builders. Thanks for staying with us, and always good to have Congressman Barry Loudermilk, our good friend from Georgia, and one of the great ones in Washington, D.C., with the finger in the dike, standing there, fighting, and uh, helping to save our country. Uh, Barry, God bless you, brother. Thanks so much for some time today. Rick, it's always my pleasure. It's good to be with you. Well, we appreciate you, and appreciate you being on the front lines there, and, and just continuing to stand for truth and stand for the principles of liberty, and and uh, just glad to have somebody that there that actually knows civics and actually understands these things. So I <laughs> appreciate that as well. A little bit different topic uh, today, though, this this video that came out of uh, some police officers uh, from, uh, I guess they're D.C. officers that are uh, in plain clothes and, and literally participating, encouraging uh, a lot of the crazy stuff that happened on January 6th. 
and you've been commenting on this. Apparently it was leaked and it's on Rumble, and I guess you guys might have uh, already been briefed on it, and, and so now you can talk about it since it's been, been leaked. But tell us, what, what is this video, and is it actually a police officer? Well, that's, that's a great question, and uh, uh, chairing this committee that, that is looking into you know, what, what really happened on January 6th, we're just looking for the truth. So we're taking, I mean, we've got not only the 44,000 hours of uh, video surveillance, we also have, uh, now we have some body cam footage from Metropolitan Police. And so we've been taking, you know, it, if it's on the internet, there is tons of uh, theories over one video, right? And so uh, we're taking every uh, aspect, every uh piece of information or evidence or theory. And I'm basically using, you know, apologetics is I tell my team, try to prove every one of these false. Because if you work to prove a theory true, you'll prove it true every time because you'll discredit information that's contrary to what your idea is. That's Mm. pretty much what the January 6th Select Committee did. So we take every piece of evidence and we go to try to prove it false. If we can't prove it false, then it turns out to be true. And this is one of those that the video was on Rumble. It was sent to us by an attorney. That video was referenced in a court filing that that was an undercover police officer that was encouraging people to go into the Capitol. And so we started investigating it, started looking at it. We could find references into some uh, the, the surveillance camera, but you couldn't really identify who it is because it's the person's wearing a body camera. In this case, it was a GoPro. So we just sent a letter to the Metropolitan Police Department as chairman of the subcommittee asking if they would provide to us all electronic uh, information they had, videos, GoPros, body cams, anything that they had of anyone who was responding to the the incidents on January 6th. And the Metropolitan Police cooperated, and with the information they sent to us was that same video, but in its full length. So Mm -hmm. that in itself confirmed that this was a metropolitan police officer and part of their electronic surveillance unit who was embedded in the crowds. Now we're trying to figure out why is this guy doing it? So I even take the approach of, well, maybe he's trying to get up to where the breach happened to help his other officers. So he's just encouraging people to go. Well, we've been able to now find this person uh, on the Capitol Police surveillance footage as well. And when he gets, finally, he gets up to the top. He doesn't help anyone. He just turns and casually walks away and then goes back down Constitution Avenue. Very strange incident. So it's it's pressuring us to even dig further. Why do you have a uh, police officer wearing civilian clothes embedded into the crowd? Even, he even fist bumps another guy that's wearing a skull mask as he's going in, like he knows this guy. So we're taking it to the next step, say, why do you have someone encouraging people to violate the law? No kidding. Well, l- let me first say thank you for the intellectual honesty and intellectual curiosity with which you are chairing this and and, and the approach that, that you guys are taking. If, if everyone in law enforcement and in you know um, elected office had done it that way from the beginning, what a different outcome we would have instead of it feeling like the Rostock fire of 1933, where it's just political persecution coming out of this thing. Uh, it would have been, OK, we can find who the bad guys and the good guys were instead of labeling everybody as bad guys. And so I just I, just this whole approach, I think it would have been so much better for the country if we had been doing that, you know, from from the get go two and a half years ago or two years and five months ago, whatever it is. Um, so thank you for that. And, and, and then in terms of just timing, 
you know, it, it what a shame that it took you guys having to get in the majority to be able to get access to this stuff and be able to do this this type of, of investigation because so much could have been so much pain could have been saved, I think, over, over time. But uh, so, uh, you know, I, I just appreciate the fact that y'all are doing it. I just wish we could have we could have done it sooner. Um, what, what What is the what, what is the next? Like, like, I guess you guys just have to keep digging. And, and, and what would you say? Like 40,000. That's a lot of hours to have to go through. I mean, how do you even needle in a haystack? How do you approach this, Barry? Well, it is. It's overwhelming. Not only is it 44,000 hours of surveillance video footage now, the January 6th Select Committee kept saying there was only 14,000 hours, and that's what they made available to defense attorneys. When I received uh, access to it, I found out there's 44,000 hours. So why did they not allow them to see all of this? And, yeah. and so we're allowing defense attorneys to come in and see the full 44,000 hours. We also have 2 million printed pages of information and about 2 to 4 terabytes of digital information. So our, our first task, it was overwhelming. It was trying to put all this together. The select committee, believe it or not, they didn't index anything. So we had to go in. It was like, it was like putting together a thousand piece puzzle wow. with the wrong picture. Okay. Because their report does not reflect what the evidence shows. I mean, their, the select committee's report was a manifesto against Trump. I mean, that's what they wanted. That's all yep. they reported. They cherry-picked evidence. We go into it, and, and there's a lot more evidence that, that apparently they ignored. But what we're finding out right now, Rick, is we don't have everything. Even now. By law, they were supposed to preserve everything and turn everything over to me. Like, for one thing, from watching the, uh, the Hollywood production uh, that, that the January 6th put on, if you watched any of their, their hearings, they would show videos of depositions. We have the, the transcribed depositions. We don't have any of the videos. So that raised some red flags. And we started finding some letters that was referencing other documents that were handed over to the White House and were not preserved. So, and then there's a, a, another aspect is the select committee was broken up into teams. And there was a team called the Blue Team, and their task was to look into basically what we're doing is how did the failure occur? Where was the breakdown of security that good, bad, or indifferent, how did somebody get into the Capitol? How was there that much violence that took place that we did not right. respond properly? Um, that was what the blue team was supposed to be looking into. You know, we don't have anything from the blue team. It's like they never existed. We have maybe a couple of documents that reference something of the blue team, but I have talked to uh, a contractor who worked with the blue team and has confirmed that there is a lot of evidence and a lot of information that they produced, where is that? And that makes me to believe that if, I, if, if we don't have any of that, and that was purposely suppressed, there must have been something they found out that somebody didn't want the American people to know. And that's what we're looking into. We know there was an intelligence failure within the Capitol Police. We know that there was actionable intelligence, the FBI, the CIA, the Department of Defense, uh, Department of Homeland Security had that there was going to be an attack on the Capitol by some extremists with the intent of taking over the Capitol. Um, but yet when that, that very information came to the intelligence division of the U.S. Capitol Police, it never went any further. The chief of police wasn't even briefed on this. And so that's where we're focusing right now is where's this information we don't have and what happened was this intelligence purposely suppressed or was it just a major mess up uh, incompetence 
either way, there's a major cover up that we're looking yeah. into. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. Uh, I, man, I can't tell you, brother, how glad I am that you have this specific role. I mean, I've always been glad you've been there. I was glad when you were in the Senate in Georgia. I mean, you've you've always been a great public servant. But, I, and I don't, I don't. This is not an exaggeration, folks listening. I mean, the fate of 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 our judicial system and and a system of biblical justice, not two tier justice, like we've been experiencing depends on getting this right and so the fact that you are there and doing this is huge now i feel sorry for you know desiree i mean it's like hey uh what saturday night movie we're we gonna watch well we've got another forty-two thousand hours to watch baby um we're gonna we're gonna watch some more no i'm kidding i, I hope you guys get a y- y- y'all get a break and get to do something else besides that but i i can't imagine how daunting the task is uh for you and your team and so we're gonna be lifting you up in prayer and uh and just praying for really wisdom and discernment because you got so many rabbit trails you could go down on this thing you've got to decide what the priorities are so it's a massive responsibility Absolutely. we recognize that for you and, and, and praying for that um let me let, let me go this direction with you w- what do you do with all of this once you do get to the bottom of it because the the, the narrative the die has been cast and the narrative has been told so much over and over and over again by all of the major media and by you know all the speeches from Biden and, and Harris and the, and, and the rest. How do you counter that as you uncover these truths that are different from the narrative? How do you get that out there? Well, it's, it's interesting, Rick, because so far we pretty much have initially uh, was condemned by the mainstream media because here's, you know, as most people know, I was falsely accused of participating in this by giving reconnaissance tours on January the 5th. It was a ridiculous charge. <laughs> wow. And so the media... And, and not, by the way, for our listeners out there that that, that know David and I do de- these tours at the Capitol, that's the, the type of tours that you do, these spiritual heritage tours you take people through and you show them the history of our country. That's the type of tours that Barry Louderman does. Anyway, go ahead. Exactly. But in this case, the Capitol was closed, never went to the Capitol. We just weren't even there. Yeah. that came in. And I took him to lunch in the cafeteria in one of the office buildings and took him back to my office. That was about the extent of it. Yeah. But the January 6th committee wanted this to – it would fit into their overall narrative well. So they they uh, manufactured some evidence. They edited some other evidence. I mean, they, they really put this narrative together. But even the Capitol Police just dispelled it almost immediately. So there was nothing even suspicious here. It's, but then the, the January 6th committee doubled down on it. So uh, it was it was a nightmare for a while. But I know in the book of Matthew, it says, you know, when you're accused falsely, um, you're, you're blessed. And so God has blessed us that that gave me insight into how the January 6th committee worked. And this is where Speaker McCarthy said there's no one better to lead this investigation than someone who has experienced how that they manipulated uh, information to yeah. make a false narrative. So when we first got into this, we started pulling immediately um, anything that they did regarding uh, me and, and my family and those people that came in. And we found out that they had brought in a ton of evidence. They actually deposed two of the people that came to my office to visit. Um, they uh, did deposition. They subpoenaed all of their information. And, Rick, what we found out is they had irrefutable evidence a month before they made the accusation that there was nothing to the story at all. And they and still so did it. They still did it, and in their final report, it says that I gave tours of the U.S. Capitol 
to some of the insurrectionists, and even names one of the people, and he has been irreparably damaged by this. He's even been fired from a job, and he did nothing wrong. He wasn't even in the Capitol on January 6th. And so we have to set the record straight. Now, the media has gone from chastising me to ignoring this. We did a press conference, and we laid out and even handed all the evidence that proved that there was nothing to their false allegation of uh, of reconnaissance tours. And so the best thing that you could expect from the mainstream media is they ignored it. So uh, we thought we were on a good path. So I think that uh, m- many of the media now realizes that we're being truly objective. I'm mm. not putting a political spin on it. So they're, they're at least to a point where they're listening to us. And uh, the overall goal is when we get done, get to the truth, report the truth to the American people, and correct the false record that is, is part of our history. Because I think about this, Rick, I've got, I've got five grandchildren, I've got another one on the way. What are they going to read about their granddad in the yeah. future? And it's not about just preserving my legacy, it's these other people. Who else have they uh, irreparably damaged their character, their reputation? in a document that's part of the United States history that is mm. that, that we know parts of it are totally false. That has to be corrected. Amen. Amen. Uh, so right. So, so true. So right. And, and, and like you said, I mean, it's a, well, it's almost, it really is a Romans eight twenty eight thing, right? All things work together for good. So even the, and I, I really do call it persecution, but I, I mean, the way they treated you, even that God uses to work for good, for your good, and 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 now for our nation's good by putting you in this position uh, of having the ability to investigate these things, and uh, so I'm I don't want to say I'm thankful that you had to go through that, but I'm thankful that God can use it and to, for for His good and and for the nation's good at this point. And uh, you know you've definitely got your work cut out for you, man. I just want you to know, David and Tim and I are are, are just so supportive of you and behind you in this. Our listeners are praying for you. And uh, and we you know as often as you can where when you can talk about stuff we'd love to have you back because people don't know this they're just not hearing this stuff you know like you said you can put the truth over to the major media hopefully they will at some point say yes these guys are being objective and actually start reporting on it but we want to help you get the message out any way we can so bless your brother and I can't wait to get you back oh absolutely and uh, you know as as we get uh, more information be glad to share it be glad to do it I appreciate it man. Well, God bless you. Give the family our love, and we look forward to having you back soon. All right. Thanks, Rick. We appreciate you. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back with David and Tim Barton. Hey, friends, if you've been listening to Wall Builders Live for very long at all, you know how much we respect our veterans and how appreciative we are of the sacrifice they make to make our freedoms possible. One of the ways that we love to honor those veterans is to tell their stories here on Wall Builders Live. Once in a while, we get an opportunity to interview veterans that have served on those front lines, that have made incredible sacrifices, have amazing stories that we want to share with the American people. One of the very special things we get to do is interview World War II veterans. You've heard those interviews here on Wall Builders Live from folks that were in the Band of Brothers to folks like Edgar Harrell that survived the Indianapolis to so many other great stories you've heard on Wall Builders Live. You have friends and family that also serve. If you have World War II veterans in your family that you would like to have their story shared here on Wall Builders Live, please email us at radio at wallbuilders.com. Radio at wallbuilders.com. Give us a brief summary of the story and we'll set up an interview. Thanks so much for sharing here on Wall Builders Live. 
We're back here on Wobblers. Thanks for staying with us. Thanks to Congressman Barry Loudermilk for joining us. And, and uh, you know, David, to your point at the top of the hour there, top of the program, um, you know, there were obviously some very bad actors there that day. They did some horrible things, broke things, attacked cops, did all kinds of stuff. And we've said on this program from the beginning, those people need to be prosecuted. But the problem is that they threw everybody into the same boat. They, they literally treated everyone that was even there singing hymns, praying uh, around the Capitol grounds, that sort of thing, as if they were an insurrectionist or whatever. And so having somebody like Barry that's taken this, um, what's the right word, unbiased, um, um, you know, really looking at the whole thing and analyzing it and, and separating the wheat from the chaff, so good to have somebody like that at the helm on this thing. Well, he, he said so many healthy things when he said them. And I just jotted some of them down. He said, we're just looking for the truth. And so yeah. they're going after everything. I loved his attitude. He said, we're going to try to prove every one of these things false, not true. Uh, the previous Jan 6 committee, they had a premise and they wanted to prove it true. They've got premises. They're trying to prove false on this side. It has to stand up and actually show there's proof. And I love the idea that he said that we have to have intellectual curiosity and intellectual honesty. We have to yes. be wanting to see where this is. And and then with that attitude, finding out, well, you were told there was 14,000 hours of footage, but it turns out there's 44,000 hours of footage. And oh, by the way, here's 2 million pages of affidavits you haven't seen that nobody knew about. I got exactly what he's talking about, putting together a thousand piece puzzle with the wrong picture on the outside of the box. That would be really, really frustrating. And so finding out that things have been deliberately withheld, you know, as he says, it, it, it's not doesn't have the smell test yet, but he's still looking at facts and going after facts. And I think that's commendable. And I think the fact that he mentioned even the media is seeing that this is not just trying to vindicate Republicans or whatever, that this is actually going after the truth and they're starting to listen. I think that's a good sign. But that's what we would expect from Barry. That's just the kind of guy he is, the character, uh, the morality, the, the faith he has. He's not he's not a political hack. He's a truth guy, and he served his country well in the Air Force. So I'm not surprised to hear that. But I, I will tell you, it's stuff I haven't been hearing for a long time, and I'm really glad to hear it. Yeah, and it's it it will really help to restore faith, right? It, if we see that, if we see that the way you described it, intellectual honesty, intellectual curiosity, the more the American people can see that, it gives them faith back into those institutions that uh, that needs to have that faith restored. So vitally, vitally important, really an, an encouraging program in my mind, what we heard today, even though we're uncovering things that will make us upset when we see them initially that we didn't know about them for the last two and a half years, um, encouraging in the long run and thankful to have somebody like Barry in there uh, leading the way on that. So great interview. Appreciate Barry Lauderman joining us today. Appreciate you joining us today. You've been listening to Wall Builders. We stand undivided forever. Again.